Thursday, April the 8th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, regulators deliver AstraZeneca verdicts and Biden's corporate tax proposal. First, the world in brief. Britain's medicines regulator recommended that people under 30 should be offered an alternative to the Oxford-AstraZeneca COVID-19 jab. Separately, the European Medicines Agency said unusual blood clots on the brain should be listed as a rare side effect of the drug. The EMA did not establish a causal link and said the benefits of the vaccine still outweigh risks. The Serum Institute of India, the world's largest vaccine maker, will resume vaccine exports in June if infections in its home country fall. The company paused foreign shipments of the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine last month as COVID-19 cases in India rocketed. India recorded more than 126,000 new infections on Wednesday, the most yet in a single day. A left-wing Inuit party won a parliamentary election in Greenland, casting doubt on plans for a rare earth mine. Greenland Minerals, which owns the site, had said it could become the, quote, most significant rare earth producer in the West, providing materials for weapons and electronics. But the Inuit Atakatigit party, which won 37% of the vote in Tuesday's snap poll, opposes the plans on environmental grounds. South Korea's ruling party was roundly beaten in mayoral by-elections in the country's two largest cities, Seoul and Busan. The votes, called after both Minju party incumbents were accused of sexual harassment, one faces trial, the other committed suicide, were regarded as a referendum on President Moon Jae-in. The Conservative People Power Party, which won both, will now fancy its chances in next year's presidential election. Norway's sovereign wealth fund, the world's largest state-owned investor, made its first direct investment in renewable energy. The fund bought a 50% stake in a Dutch wind farm from Årsted, a Danish firm, for $1.6 billion. Until last year, Norway's parliament had banned the fund from investing in anything other than stocks, bonds and property. The Biden administration proposed changes to America's corporate tax code intended to raise $2.5 trillion over the next 15 years. Among other things, the plan would raise the tax rate from 21% to 28% and toughen rules against inversions, i.e. merging with a foreign firm and moving headquarters overseas for tax purposes. Gina Raimondo, the Commerce Secretary, implored business to keep an open mind, insisting, quote, we want to compromise. And more than 30 people, including former soldiers, were sentenced to life in prison for their role in the failed Turkish coup of 2016 at the end of a trial lasting more than three years in Ankara, the capital. Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Turkey's president, blamed the uprising on Fethullah Gulen, a Muslim cleric who lives in America. Mr. Gulen denies any involvement. And now, here's today's agenda. Through the Roof, Britain's Housing Boom Demand for new homes in Britain is soaring, data published today are expected to show. The findings of the UK Construction Purchasing Managers Index will coincide with Britain's improved economic prospects. Earlier this week, the International Monetary Fund raised the country's growth forecast from 4.5% to 5.3%. 
The stronger outlook is partly being driven by the appetite for housing. A few factors explain the surge in buyer interest. As Britain locked down in response to COVID-19, people hunted for new homes, seeking more space, a bigger garden, or a change of scenery. With shops and restaurants shut, many consumers stashed away cash. Low interest rates and a temporary holiday on stamp duty, a tax on buying property, have also boosted sales. What happens next will be determined by policymakers. Tax holidays for home buyers are due to end later in the year as COVID-19 restrictions ease. The current burst of activity could be short-lived. Bottling it, corporate America and voting rights. Georgia's new voting law, which opponents say will suppress voting, especially among black voters, has attracted numerous critics since passing last month. But it has also found defenders. On Monday, Rand Paul, Kentucky's junior senator, called for a boycott of Coca-Cola, whose CEO had called the law, quote, unacceptable. Quote, we'll see how well they do when half the country quits drinking Coke, said Mr. Paul. Companies with ties to Georgia face the tricky question of whether it is more costly, both in financial and reputational terms, to anger progressives by ignoring the issue or to become a target of the Republican crusade against wokeness and, ironically given the boycott call, cancel culture. But Americans might have trouble giving up Atlanta's most iconic export. At the start of April, Donald Trump urged the public to boycott Coca-Cola and other companies, Mere days later, a photo apparently showing a Coke bottle on the former president's desk delighted the internet. Resurrected. Unrest in Northern Ireland. Today, members of the Northern Ireland Assembly return early from Easter recess to discuss loyalist rioting. The violence began last week in Londonderry. On Good Friday, it spread to Belfast. Police were attacked with fireworks and petrol bombs. Several were injured. There were two triggers for the riots. The first was Brexit. Loyalists hate the new trade border between Northern Ireland and the rest of the United Kingdom, which they believe undermines the Union. But the alternative, a border on the Irish mainland, is no better. That would inflame dissident Republicans. The second was a decision by prosecutors not to charge Republican leaders who broke lockdown rules by attending the huge funeral of an IRA intelligence boss last June. The temperature could yet rise. April marks the start of the marching season, when loyalist groups parade to celebrate the Protestant victory at the Battle of the Boyne. That makes calming tempers all the more urgent. Sorry State Broadcasters in Europe Things are changing in Slovenia, where Janez Janša, the Prime Minister, has lost his majority in Parliament. But one thing remains the same. The state-funded news agency, STA, has received no money for this year. Mr Janša cites contract disputes. Critics say he is trying to turn STA into a propaganda organ. In strong-arming public media, Mr Janša is imitating nationalist governments in Poland and especially Hungary. In Western Europe, where far-right nationalists have not yet won power, the dynamics are different. Populist movements criticise state broadcasters as too cosy with the establishment and too fond of left-wing priorities such as diversity. Some public broadcasters do tend to neglect rural areas and conservative views, 
but independent state broadcasters are a vital pillar of democracy, especially in countries too small to sustain variegated commercial news media. The Czech government, too, is trying to install political allies to run its broadcaster. A vote in parliament is expected in mid-April. Green Necessities – Climate Financing Today, at the World Bank's Spring Conference, speakers including John Kerry, America's climate envoy, and Alok Sharma, a British minister who heads the UN's Climate Change Conference, will discuss the green transition needed in developing countries. They will probably mull financing measures to solve the investment gap, the amount of money vulnerable countries will need to respond to climate change compared with the capital they have available. By 2030, the UN Environment Programme estimates that poor countries will need to spend $140 billion to $300 billion every year on measures such as coastal defences. Yet more money will be needed to decarbonize their energy systems, which could eventually mitigate further harm from global warming. But the poorest countries are in a bind. Those that are most exposed to climate-related risks tend to face higher interest rates once other factors have been controlled for. That makes it even more expensive for them to borrow the money they need. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Pablo Picasso, who died on this day in 1973. Computers are useless. They can only give you answers. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.